Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Craig Dyson. My wife, Kara, and I are the pastors of Convo Church, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the message. All right, we're going to go to the book of Hebrews. Uh, to the book of Hebrews is further towards the back of the New Testament. If you get to Revelation, you've gone too far. But we're going to go to chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews. And we're going to read a few verses through there. We're not going to read this whole chapter. It's beautiful. I encourage you to read this. Is, uh, this is traditionally called the faith chapter uh, because it goes through and it talks about many, many different men and women of faith throughout uh, throughout creation that God has used. And, and they're normal people who simply said yes to God. Simply said yes. I want you to do this. And they didn't say how or where or who. Sometimes they said who. Because I don't know about you. There have been times where God's asked me to do something. And I was looking behind me. I'm like, what, me? You talking to me? He's like, yeah, I'm talking to you. So, uh, so we're going to read a few verses here. Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 1. And and uh, we're going to uh, go around a little bit, but I'll try to make sure we're staying on pace together. Starting in verse 1, it says, Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in the days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. And that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. Let's skip down to verse eight. Turn my page. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed God, or obeyed when God called him to leave his home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going. Anyone ever ever felt like that? Like, I'm going, I I don't know where, but I'm, I'm out here, okay. And even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. Somebody say faith. Faith. For he was like a foreigner living in tents. So did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Now I'm going to skip down to verse 32. Okay, we're not skipping over. There's some good stuff in here, but we do have a time limit today. Okay. Going down to verse 32. Do I have to turn the page again? I do. Here we go. It says, how much more? So it goes through and talks about all these incredible people of faith throughout the Bible. It says, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. By faith, these people overthrew kingdoms, uh, ruled with justice, received what God had promised. They shut the mouths of lions, quenched the flames of fire, and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. Somebody say amen to that one this morning. It says they became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. Women received back their loved ones again from the death. But listen to this. It's not always uh, kicks and giggles. It says, but others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. Some were jeered at, had their backs cut open with a whip. Others were chained in prison. Some died by stoning. Some were sawed in half. It just got super real. And others were killed by the sword. Some went about wearing skins of sheep and goat, destitute and oppressed and mistreated. And they were too good for this world, wandering over deserts and mountains, hiding in caves and holes in the ground. 
All these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us. God has something better in mind for you. So that they would not reach perfection without us. A couple of verses here in verse 12. Here we go. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, and it's talking about all those who have gone ahead of us, lived a life of faith, those who saw amazing things happen and those who never saw amazing things happen in their life. It says, we, where, I lost my place. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. And this is how we do it. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. I'm going to stop right there. Father, we pray, Lord, that in the moments that we have together today, Father, we're asking for you to speak to us. God, we're asking, Lord, for every single one of us here, no matter uh, what our week was like, no matter where we're from, no matter our background, our journey, whether we've been walking with you for years or whether we're still not sure about that whole, this whole Jesus thing. God, I pray today that in this these moments that you would break down barriers, open up our heart, open up our ears. God, we know that by your love and by your grace, you're coming after us today, Father, and we want to receive it all in Jesus' mighty name. Say amen. amen. All right, so Vision, vision, uh, vision Day, Vision Sunday 2020. Uh, today I'm going to talk about faith. And uh, as a matter of fact, our, our, the title for today, not just for this message, but uh, what Karen and I really feel is the, the theme that God wants to ingrain into the DNA of our church throughout this year is forward faith. Can you say that with me? Say forward faith. Which is really only, if you want to be real, one type of faith. There's no backwards faith. There's no sidestepping faith. There's only forward faith. But sometimes in our own finite life and understanding and the ups and downs of life, we need to put additional words onto faith so that we can visualize what God's trying to do. And so we're talking about forward faith. So typically I kind of have, you know, stories and little anecdotes or whatever, but I kind of just want to go hot and heavy into it today. Is that okay? Hot, that was the only joke for today. It's hot and heavy. That's, I said that while preaching. Okay. We're going to go hot and heavy into it today. But listen, there, there are, in all reality, there are a lot of misconceptions of faith out there. There's a lot of misconceptions and even mispractices of what faith really is. And I think it's so important if we're going to be Jesus followers, if we're going to be men and women of God, young and old, it is important for us to understand what faith is and exactly how it operates. Sometimes we think that faith is something that, that we can have, but it's what God does, and it's faith that, that pulls us forward. And I want you to know that, that that's not how it operates. That's a misconception of faith. Faith does not pull us forward. As a matter of fact, sometimes what we believe in, we can say we believe in God, but belief and faith aren't always synonymous. They're not the same words. Not, they don't have the same meaning. Yeah, I believe in God, and because I believe in God, we begin to expect X, Y, and Z to happen and things to just unfold, and we expect all the, the hard things of life to go away because, because, well, I believe in God. And if God loves me, then he's going to make everything perfect in my life. doesn't work out that way. Can I get an amen? amen. Somebody's like, but I want it to. It's okay. We, we're all there. We want it to. But, but faith, listen, faith is putting your complete trust in what or who you believe in. Complete trust. That means that you don't know how the outcome is actually going to be, but regardless of the outcome, you still have trust in the situation. It's great to say that you believe in God, but it has to go further than just a belief system. Typically, a belief system is really subject to the person's belief. 
I believe in God, and then somebody begins to start talking about their belief, and you're like, wow, that's interesting, because that's way different from my belief in God. Well, that's cool. Your belief in God is your belief in God. My belief in God is my belief in God. You're, you can be right and wrong. It doesn't really matter. No, it really does. It really does matter because it's not up to our belief. It's up to who God is. You can believe in God or not believe in God. It doesn't change who God is. You can reject God. You can accept God. It doesn't change the reality of who he is. It doesn't change how he sees and interacts with the world. It doesn't change the fact that God loves you so much that he sent his only son to die on a cross so that you could be set free from the things that hold you back. Our belief does not define God. It's important for us to know who God is so that that can define our beliefs. But today we're talking about faith. James chapter 2, it's again one of those books that's closer towards the end of the New Testament. James, one of the, I actually believe that this James was the brother or half-brother of Jesus. And, uh, which is interesting because earlier in Jesus' ministry, they kind of talked about how he had a little bit of you know, a rough relationship with the house, with the family. You know, Jesus is the Messiah, and then the brothers were like kind of making fun of him, doing what, well, you know, I guess they were just being brothers. Anyway, but now we, later, after Jesus has lived his life, did what he did, rose from the dead, ascended back to heaven, I think his brother got it. So we look at James chapter 2, verses 19 and 20. In the New Living Translation, it says it this way. James says, you... You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. <laughs> good, good for you. It says, even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Now check this out. In the Passion Translation, the same verse, it says it this way. Just check this out. It says, uh, uh, you can believe all you want that there is one true God, and that's wonderful. But even the demons know this and tremble with fear before him, yet they're unchanged. They remain demons. It's not enough for us to say we believe in something. We need to demonstrate our belief by what we put our faith in. Our faith is determined by the things not that we say, it's determined by the things that we do. We can believe for God to heal, but when we take our eyes off the reality of what is possible because we haven't seen it yet and we haven't experienced it yet and it hasn't happened yet, that's not faith. That's circumstantial evidence. And that's easy to say when you're not going through something, but when you're going through crap, it is easy to realize how it's easy to try to take your eyes off of faith because the reality of what you're not experiencing is too hard to, too hard to bear. But God's trying to challenge us. He's trying to challenge his church to be a church of faith. Not to, not to just be the people like the days of old, like the Abrahams that saw all this happen and, and saw, saw part of the promise and, and all, like David that, that slayed the giants and the kingdom of God was established. But he also wants us to have faith like the people that went through everything that you would never even want your enemy to go through, yet still stayed strong in their faith to the Lord. God's looking for, that's, that's not Western Christianity. Western Christianity says, I got a hangnail, God. I thought you were faithful. Western Christianity says, you're not giving me everything that I desire, so I'm moving on to something else that kind of tickles what I need to experience. But the rest of the world around us understands the reality that God is God no matter what happens around me. That God is faithful even if I don't see the faithfulness happening in my life. God is God even though in other countries they're murdering Christians and persecuting people who believe. God's still God. And you know why? Because their hope was not just in this life. Their hope was in the resurrection of the dead. Realizing that God rose from the dead because he is the first fruits of every believer who will one day rise and be reunited with God. 
And so we have a hope that is bigger than this life. And when you allow the lies of the enemy to make you think that everything that defines the purpose of your life is in this physical, uh, temporal life, then you're missing the point. Yeah, we're here. We're living this life. We didn't say yes to Jesus and then he just like beamed us up. No, we're still here. We have a life to live and that life needs to be lived in faith. Faith does not pull you forward. Listen, faith propels you forward into what you cannot see, knowing in full confidence that God is already there. Mom, I'm giving y'all some gems. Y'all need to be taking pictures, writing stuff down or something. Here's another one. Faith gives you the ability to walk through life with confidence for what is about to happen without the fear of what could happen. At the end of worship, you know, we had that word of knowledge, praying for people that are struggling with anxiety. And I know that to, to a great degree, those who, who that, that struggle is real, um, it, it, it's crippling. It's not about anxiety while you're doing something. It's an anxiety that, that just keeps you frozen because you're afraid to do anything. And that's, that's the complete opposite of what God is trying to work in us. The enemy wants to keep you in a place of crippled fear because he may not be able to rob your salvation. He may not be able to stop your eternal destiny. But if he can keep you from fulfilling your earthly destiny, then at the very least, he's keeping the message that God has placed inside of you from going out to impact others. He's trying to distract us with fear. He's trying to distract us with what could be. And God's trying to take us to a place where he already is and preparing a way for us. Listen, here's another one. Faith is the action that puts wind in the sails of what you believe. I have faith, so I pray. It's not I pray that if God does something, then I'll have faith. I have faith, so I give. I don't have faith so that when eventually I have something, then I'll give. I have faith, so I give. I have faith, so I share my testimony because I believe what God has done in me is something that is going to impact and set somebody else free, regardless of whether I get made fun of for sharing my faith in the workplace, regardless of whether it gets rejected, regardless of somebody laughs at me, cusses me out, and walks away, regardless of whether there's even physical harm that is done to me because I've taken a stand for what I know is true. I have faith, so I invite people to church. I have faith that Pastor Craig's not going to embarrass me when I bring somebody with me. It's 50-50 on that one. It really is. But just have faith. Okay, I have faith, so I trust God over everything. Over everything. It's easier said than done. We're not just, you know, throwing platitudes out here. We're not just throwing cliche statements about faith and belief and, hey, just get over it. It's no big deal. Trust God. No, it's real. We understand that it's real. We understand that the obstacles in front of us are very real. The physical pain that we feel is very real. The, 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 the mental and emotional challenges that we face in our daily life is very, very real. But we have got to allow ourselves, either in our own relationship with God or making sure that the people that you have around you are helping to encourage you in the same direction, will begin to believe that God is bigger than the things that are in your face. God is bigger than even the things that are in your body. God is bigger than the things that are locked in your mind. And the moment that we begin to realize that God is bigger, it will begin to build our faith to believe that God will be and do uh, what he said he would do and be who he said that he is. And there's something there, I'm telling you, that will begin to unlock and set us free. So check this out. We are, we are confident of what is ahead of us because we know who has gone before us. I love the fact that my faith isn't hoping that God comes through. He's already there. He's just waiting for me to take that step. He's waiting for me to, you know, 
What about Bob? I love that movie. That's old school, isn't it? Somebody like, what the heck? What about Bob? Baby steps to the elevator, right? He's like, baby steps, you know. So sometimes that's faith. Sometimes that's the outworking of our faith. And I'll tell you from my own personal experience and my own journey with the Lord, there have been seasons where it was the baby steps, right? There have been seasons where I'm like, woo, I'm feeling good. I'm taking those long six foot seven strides, you know? And then there are other seasons where for some reason my steps got smaller again. But listen, what's important is that we just keep moving forward. And it doesn't matter how fast, it doesn't matter how far. This is not a race against other people. This is you trusting God and living in a real world and walking out that destiny of faith and believing that what God, is, what God has ahead of you is greater than anything that you could ever imagine. And yes, there is going to be an enemy because he doesn't want you to go there. But greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Seamless transition here. I heard somebody say this one time. They said, sentiment erodes significance. And what that means is that when we get, when we get too sentimental about the things that have happened behind us, it can distract us from the significance of what is ahead of us. And it doesn't mean that we don't celebrate what God has done. Absolutely, we, we party because of what God has done, but we don't stay there, right? Forward faith. Can somebody say forward faith? God is taking you somewhere. God is taking us somewhere. God is taking Combo Church somewhere. We didn't come here just to get comfortable in our octagon school. He's taking us somewhere. We're here, we're here because God has a heart for this city. We're here because God has a heart to see something from this city impact our world. We're here because God wants people to know something about Reno that they don't know yet. That it's not the little sister of the South. Calling out Las Vegas. And we're better than, oh, whoops, those microphones on. No, that God wants the world to know that Reno is not just known for Reno 911. That our beautiful police officers do not walk around with horrible mustaches and short shorts. That's not what happens here. People in the podcast are going to be like, what the heck are they talking about? Anyway, you just had to be there. God's doing something that we want to be a part of it. Gratitude for what God has done builds forward faith that is meant to propel us into what God's doing next. So having vision is not simply like coming up with really good ideas and saying, this is our vision. It's not coming up with a list of things that we could do. It's, it's trying to tap into what God is already doing and connect us to the, the forward faith so that we can be a part of what God is doing. It's bigger than us. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than Combo Church. It's bigger than our region. God's doing something around our world, and we need to be tied into what God is doing. Can somebody say amen? So check this out. So uh, so having vision means we're, we're, we're leaning into what God's speaking. Uh, we have faith to step into, to step forward into what God is speaking. But not just like, hey, let's just go for it, let's just do it. God is wanting to give us boldness. He's wanting to give us wisdom. He's wanting to give us his strategy. He's wanting to give us his plans so that we can, can walk out and march out and be strategic in the things that God is laying ahead of us. But quite often, I'll just be honest, God's strategy is a little bit crazier than our strategy. Our strategy, we like to control, right? We want to feel safe. We want to kind of be, make sure everything is going to be okay. And God says, my strategy is just follow my voice. Man, I love the, the analogy. You look at the Old Testament when, when God was bringing the nation of Israel out of 400 years of slavery in Egypt. That they, they literally followed a, a pillar of cloud by day and a fire by night. 
And so it wasn't a whole lot of, hey, just here's the itinerary for the next day. This is where we're going. This is what you could be expecting. Here's some of the amenities and the next stop where we're going to be. No, it was when the, when the cloud moved at daytime, it's time to break camp and move. When the, when the fire at night began to move, it was time to move. It wasn't always about we know what's happening next. We just know that God is moving and we're going to follow him. And a lot of that is really about where we are now. So let me read you a, a verse that really ties into this. I love this from, um, from Habakkuk. How many of y'all didn't even know that that was a, a book in the Bible? Habakkuk. How many of you can't even spell it if it wasn't up on the screen behind you? There's two K's in there, but it's not where you think it would be. Anyway, okay, that's just me. Habakkuk 2.2 in, the, in uh, the English Standard Version, it says, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets and smartphones, so that he may run who reads it. God wants us to know what he is doing, not so that we can read it and sit around and talk about it, but literally it paints this picture of a, of a courier, someone who is a, a runner with messages, so that they, while running, they can look at what is being done and know what to communicate and what to do as we are moving forward. And the New Living Translation, it says it this way, write my answer plainly on tablets. I love this. God's vision is the answer for what our world needs. God's vision is the answer for the problems that we see in our world. God's vision is the answer for what you need in your life so that the runner can carry the correct message to the others. So I'm going to take, now we're going to kind of transition over going to just the last couple of minutes here and kind of casting what we're looking at for 2020. And, and hopefully today you're not just taking away details for Convo Church, but you're taking away some forward faith for your own life. Some things that you are going to begin to challenge and pray about and read into for what God even wants to begin to do in and through your life. But I think before we do anything, it's so important for us to define what the win is as a church. And so some of y'all have heard this when you go through Engage and we talk about it a lot. But this is the mission for Convo Church. This is why we exist. Leading people to be passionate Jesus followers by bringing God's love and grace into everyday conversations. Influencing every sphere of life. And, uh, and I grew up playing sports. It can be hard to know if you are winning when there's no scoreboard. You know, you can maybe feel it. It feels like we're winning. It feels like we're doing well, but what's the scoreboard say? And so I want to share what our scoreboard looks like. Is that okay? So, you, so even you can tell as a church when we are winning and what we need to improve, what we need to grow in. So here, here are some of the, the, the ways that we can tell if we are winning. These are areas that would, would put points up on the board, if you will, if you will work with this crass analogy, but I'm a sports guy, that's just what's gonna happen. And then I'll watch the All-Star game today. It's gonna be fantastic. Moment of silence for Aaron Gordon, who should have won his second dunk contest in a row, but he got cheated again. Jesus' name, be with him, heal his heart. Okay. Should have won. Incredible. Here's our first thing on the scoreboard, decisions for Christ. These are people who are coming to know Jesus Christ for the first time or they are returning back to Christ again. If the church is doing nothing else, we should be focusing on changing the eternal destiny of people that live in this world. I've had people argue with me before, yeah, but are you making disciples? Yeah, we hope so. And I know that's part of the Great Commission, but it's hard to make a disciple if somebody hasn't put their faith in Christ yet. So why don't we start there and then build relationships and we'll see what God gives us the ability to do. Decisions for Christ. Water baptisms are people taking their next step in faith. Uh, the flow of new people coming to Convo Church. Are we connecting with new people? Are we keeping our focus on the one? 
Or have we gotten comfortable in our, in our seats and where we sit and the people that we know and the friends that we have, and we've taken our eyes off of the prize, which is making sure that, that none should perish, making sure that everyone knows who Christ is, making sure that we are doing whatever it takes, Luke 15, to leave the 99 sheep and go after the one that's lost. Are there new people coming into our community? Are people completing Engage? Engage is, our, is, our, is our, 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 the sessions that we do to help people literally engage in the life of our church. Are people completing that? And then the next one, are people joining the dream team? Are people connecting to our dream team? Are people getting in small groups? These are all different elements that are important for us to understand if we are doing what we feel like God has called us to do. I think we actually, this, this crew semester, this crew season that we just launched, was the, to this point, the biggest sign-up um, season yet, which is huge. We saw at least 60% that we know of sign up for crews. Now we got to get y'all to the crew, but at least you, you, you know, you took your first step. Good job. You signed up for one. That's a good start. Uh, testimonies. Are there, is God doing something in people's lives? And is he doing something to the point where people are starting to talk about it? Are we hearing about the great things that God is doing in people's lives? Like that's a part of us knowing whether we are winning or not impact in our community. If we disappeared tomorrow, would our city miss us? Would they even know that we were here in the first place? Those are huge measuring sticks by knowing whether we are doing the things that God's called us to. And then last, we could probably think of others, but these are the big ones. Giving. Are, are people learning to trust God in their giving? Are people beginning to understand what the Bible says about tithing and generosity? Are they, are they taking steps of faith to give to heart for the house? Are we accomplishing what God has asked us to accomplish in that realm? So those, those are the things that we look at as a church and as a leadership. You're like, well, it kind of sounds like it's all about numbers. Yeah, absolutely. We have, I have no problem whatsoever talking about numbers because for us, a number translates into a person. And why we're here is because we're going after Amen. Now I want to give you some of the metrics for the wins that we experienced in 2019. This is from our scoreboard. So in 2019, we saw 282 people that we know of say yes to a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's a big deal. I was expecting a little bit more celebration over this number. This is a big deal. I mean, this, this, is, eternal, this is eternal stuff happening. These are literally the destinies of individuals are being changed and transformed. We saw uh, over 300 new guests that we can actually track in 2019, and that's also a great number. That's good. So people are coming in, they're hearing about us. There's that 25% is going to be needed here pretty soon. Anyway, we saw 15 baptisms in 2019. So I'm going to celebrate that. But I'm also going to say that as a church, I would love to see that win go up a lot more. And, uh, but listen, here's the reality. I grew up in the South in the Bible Belt where everyone just already, they knew half the Bible even if they didn't believe it. We are in pioneer territory. We are in a place where people, this is new to most, even for some of you here, like water baptism, yeah, I've been thinking about it, thinking about it, but it just seems you're gonna dunk me in water. It's just, I don't get it. So we're trying as a church to, to help disciple people to let them know what that means and that it's a big deal. Jesus was baptized, his followers were baptized and he commands us as a, as a sign of going public with our faith that we're not just private, secret Christians, but we're letting the world know, I'm not who I used to be. I'm coming out of this water, brand new creation as a Jesus follower. So we're gonna have, we'll have baptisms coming up here in the near future, um, but that, that is the next step for anybody 
who's made a decision to follow Christ. And so that's a win, and I would like to see that number on our scoreboard go up even more. I think that's a good sign that people aren't just making the decision, but they're also beginning to grow in that decision, okay? Uh, and we saw in, in, by the end of 2019, we had 84 Dream Team members. That's our volunteer team that makes everything happen. And honestly, in our, in our first couple of months, we've already seen that number jump up quite a bit, but we'll, we'll, we'll save that for another time. Uh, in 2019, we saw 33 individual crews start, and I think that's phenomenal. That's giving people the opportunity to be together. That's giving people the chance to be able to build community, be discipled, build the type of friends that are going to lead them in the right direction. Now, here's the last uh, thing that I wanted to report. Uh, we started for the first time this last November, Heart for the House. And Heart for the House is, as a church, it's our, it's our game changer offering where all of us agree to give above and beyond our regular tithes so that we are allowing our church and the vision of our church to be able to do things that go just beyond the basics of operating a church. Because God's not just calling us to operate as a church, amen, God's calling us to do some crazy things. God's calling us to believe for bigger things. So check this out. This is, this is what you guys did. We saw, uh, we saw pledged, $35,000 were pledged in Heart for the House in 2019. Isn't that fantastic? Like, that's a big deal. When you're a brand new church and you're like, you know, talking about money and talking about giving and 60% and of our church are people that have never done this before. So you're like, you want me to what? You, you want me to, oh, I'm not sure if I'm there yet. And that's okay. We're on a journey. We're getting there. But check this out. We saw $35,000 pledged. And we've already seen $27,055 come in. That's really good. That's a pretty good percentage of pledging towards people actually giving. Now, this is what I want to say. We, the beauty of us doing something like this is that when, when we've asked, hey, pray, talk to the Lord, and ask God to put something on your heart. And whatever he puts on your heart, then that's what you step out and give. So we don't, we're not in any position to be like, we need more. We're going to have to, we can't pay the electric bill. That's not what this is about. This is about simply taking a step of faith in what God is asking you to do and believing that you are going to walk it out. And so if you haven't done this yet and God put something on your heart to do, just do the thing that God put on your heart to do and watch what's going to happen. Watch what's going to happen. We're already having stories and testimonies like crazy coming in of people that stepped into an area of real faith. And God has come through, and we've seen promotions. We've seen new jobs. We've seen financial miracles in people's lives. We've seen physical things. We've seen relational things happen. And there's something crazy that gets unlocked when we actually begin to believe that God will do what he said he will do. Amen? 2020, here's some things that we're going to do. You ready? I'm only a little bit nervous, but it's going to be fantastic. New location. Where is this new location, you ask? That's a great question. We don't know yet. We don't know yet. We're, we're putting together a small team of people that are helping to kind of search out and, and, you know, look under every single rock and make things happen. But we know that the, the, the time, the grace is lifting for where we are. We, are, we, we have a little bit of room to grow here. Um, but if things continue in the way that things have been going, um, it's, it's time for us to find kind of the next level place that's gonna prepare us for the things that God's gonna to continue to do through Conway Church, amen? Uh, another thing that we're gonna do along with that is we are going to prepare ourselves and prepare our teams for multiple worship experiences. We wanna add a second service. And because this is, yeah. If we're, if we're hitting the scoreboard like we believe we're supposed to, 
then we have to always strategically be looking for ways to make room for more people to come in. That's why we're doing it. Uh, this next one is something that um, I'm pretty, pretty pumped about and pretty determined about. Uh, we, we wanted to do it last year, but God said, okay, well, not yet. I'm like, okay, well, I wanted to, <laughs> but we'll wait. But there's a significant hole in our pipeline as a church is with our youth, our teenagers. And we've got teenagers here, and, and Kara and I put in way too many years of our life into youth ministry to not see our church have a dynamic, powerful, generation-changing youth ministry. And so we will be pushing hard to be able to launch Convo Youth. I mean, we have three kids that are now in that age, and we want them to be able to experience the same things that we saw, that we invested into so many other people's uh, teenagers and and. Uh, yeah, so that's going to be something that we're endeavoring in into 2020, Convo Youth. Some of you in here, you're, you've been looking for a place to serve, and this is an area that is, that is it's, it's, it's on your heart, but it hasn't been an option yet. Well, that option is coming, and so just get ready. We're going to need you. We're going to need a team to do this in an awesome way. Uh, another thing we're going to be doing this year is we are endeavoring to take what we do here and, and bundle it up into a giant ball of energy and take it into our city. And so this, this year we're looking to do worship nights in Reno. And so this is what we wanna do. This is what we wanna do. We don't just want it to be like a churchy thing where we're just getting all the churchy people together. No, we want people in our city who are lost, who are hurting, who are broken, who would never, never normally come to a church to hopefully come and set foot into a Friday night club with Convo Church. And we'll bring an experience to them as something that maybe they've never experienced before. And, uh, and so please be praying for that. We're not just looking for a cafeteria. We're not just looking for some little banquet hall. We, we want to go to territory that does not belong to the kingdom of God and bring the kingdom of God to that territory. And so we're, we want to go to a club. We want it to be on a Friday night. We want to we be aggressive. We want to do something that is going to poke the, enemy in the poke the enemy in the chest and bring other people in to the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So, Lord Jesus, help us. Karen and I are both big, passionate believers in international missions. Uh, we believe, first and foremost, it starts in our own city. That's where it starts our Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then the ends of the earth. Uh, a little while back, we talked about Children's Cup, and I talked to you about it today. And we, we were looking at potentially doing a partnership with them in Honduras. But we had something interesting kind of fall through in the details of that specific location. And then they contacted us, and they're like, well, it's kind of in a different place on the planet, but would you consider Eswatini in Africa? Well, what they didn't know is that both of us have a pretty uh, special sweet spot in our heart for that continent. And so uh, in, in March, it's in March that you're going? In April, uh, Kara and Andrew are going to be going on a, and Joy are going to be going on an exploratory trip to East Watini to see what is possible for Convo Church. Now listen, we're not just going so that we can simply do a feeding program, which even that by itself would be worthy. We are believing that in due time, we will see Convo Churches planted and launched on the continent of Africa, in this nation and beyond, getting involved in communities and cities and literally transforming communities, starting with the young and working our, working our way up. These, gosh, these are things I'm like, God, I don't know how you're gonna do this. 
but we're uh, forward faith. Here's the last one. Here's the last one right here, and this is where we wrap this up. Um, I want to tell you about something that our, an opportunity our church has been invited into um, recently, um, and I don't know if it's because of our connection and relationship with, with Awaken and, and the work that they're doing to end sex trafficking in northern Nevada. Uh, we've been very outspoken about that, but we got invited to be a part of the Northern Nevada Sex Trafficking Task Force, which is working with our mayor and other officials and, and our you know police and first responders, airport authority, uh, trucker unions, and there's many others that are literally coming together to tackle this issue. It's, it's, not, a, it's not a faith-based issue, people. It is a, it's a human issue, and, but it's something that we have a great passion for. So our involvement has been, and, and, we're, and it's funny, I'm in this room, we're going around, people introducing themselves, I'm like, Greg from Convo Church, anybody? And we're the, you know, we're the only church involved in this particular circle. Doesn't mean that we're the only church that are part of this, solving this issue. Please don't hear me on that. But in the, for whatever reason, this particular venue, we are, we have a seat at the table. And so we, we've developed this thing um, that I was able to unfold a couple of weeks ago, uh, simply called Awareness Wednesday. And we found that the biggest, one of the biggest problems um, outside of the actual trafficking issue itself is the awareness that our community has about it. And on top of not just the awareness, but the way that our state has been conditioned through legalized prostitution and brothels, where we have pimps who are track coaches at high schools, and we have pimps that are, are, are doing restaurants and creating avenues where they're saying it's a family-friendly environment, yet it's the same name as their brothel that is a couple of miles away from the restaurant trying to condition children and teenagers and families to realize that this isn't a problem, this is a choice, this is just what people do. Yet it continues to feed the environment of trafficking where women and children are being exploited in numbers that you would not be able to wrap your mind around. Just in Northern Nevada alone, 1,500 women and children are exploited for sex every single month. The average age of a girl brought into prostitution is 11 years old. Listen, there is a problem, and I, for one, we will not be a church that sits back and treats the human trafficking pandemic as, this, as if it was the same as any other issue that we see around our world. I'm not diminishing the other aspects of what our world needs. I'm not saying that it's not important for us to take care of our planet. I'm not saying that it's not important for people to treat animals humanely, but I will not put any of those things on the same playing field as human beings who are created in the image of God, who are being sold, kidnapped, exploited, hooked on drugs, raped, mistreated, and taken advantage of. You would think this would be a more popular topic in the kingdom world or in the church Christian community, and it's not. We're gonna change that. And so I would ask everybody, if you would, to even on Instagram, that's the only platform where this exists right now, and follow Awareness Wednesday. Every Wednesday, we're posting uh, facts and statistics about what's actually, what's actually happening, mostly in our region. We're not even talking about outside of our region, our nation, and in other countries, just in Northern Nevada, so that you and I can begin to become more aware and educated about the problem that there is and the reality that you and I can actually do something about it. We don't have to become crazy vigilantes to make a change in this. There are so many things that we can open our eyes to see things in a different way. That we can open our eyes to see that our youth and our children in our community and even in the culture around our world 
are being groomed to be put into a situation where they are at a higher risk to be taken into this type of lifestyle. We're not gonna, we're not gonna be okay with that. So that's something that more and more will begin to develop this year. And uh, right now we're literally working on a, a full-blown campaign for Northern Nevada that doesn't just tackle the issue of sex trafficking, but also tackles the issue of the demand. And if, if you know anything about business, all you gotta do is take away the demand and the supply shrinks up and the business will go away. We can't just kind of, we can't just go at yelling at each other with their side and our side. And, and if we yell loud enough, then we'll win. No, we have to find strategic tactics to go in and literally undermine the business of human trafficking so that that multi, multi, multi-billion dollar industry begins to shrink up to the point where there's no more, there's no longer a profit for the people that have been in that industry. We also need to be praying for the people who, who aren't just those who are trafficked. Yes, we're praying for them, but we also need to be praying with the heart that Jesus has for people who are involved in the buying of human beings, for people who are sex buyers, because they're broken too. They're hurting people too. They got taught that method. They got taught that lifestyle. And we need to pray that God would use our church and the church around our region to be a light to every aspect of this industry so that we see it shrink up, we see it go away. All right, here's our conclusion. So how, how can you own the vision? How can you help bring wins? Number one, take responsibility to help make this vision your own and bring it to life. Number two, invite more people to be a part of this. Invite more people to church. Did you know 100% of the people that you don't invite will never come? Yeah, it's a pretty solid stat right there. If you haven't already, join the dream team. The dream team is not a bunch of superstars, it's just a bunch of people saying yes to Jesus. Join the dream team, become an active part of the teams that are making this become a reality in our city. Invest into the win, invest through your giving, through your ties, through Heart for the House. Get yourself into a crew, get yourself surrounded by the right community. And lastly, come on, let's dedicate ourselves to spiritual growth. Let's dedicate ourselves to the community of Convo Church. Can you do that? That's vision for 2020. There's a lot of things that I don't know how it's gonna happen, but we're gonna go for it. We're gonna swing for the fences, we're gonna believe God, and we're gonna ask you to come along with us on this journey and help make it happen. So you can be praying for these things. You can be praying into these things. You can be asking God for open doors and opportunity with a new facility, with developing a second service, with Convo Youth, with all the things that we're doing. We're believing big for God to do something through Convo Church this year, the year of vision, 2020. Come on, it's time for us to begin to see things a little bit differently and believe God for the rest, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Convo Church Podcast. If you enjoyed this message, do us a favor, subscribe to this podcast, rate and review us on iTunes, and share our podcast with your family, friends, and team members. If you live in the Reno area, come and be a part of Convo Church. Check us out on ConvoChurch.com and follow us on social media at Convo Church. We'll see you next time here on the Convo Church Podcast.